All right, well, uh, welcome Steve Grant to uh, the Living Undeterred podcast. Um, I'm excited and a little a little nervous. I've never hosted a podcast before. I've been like you, a ghost, a ghost, a guest on many of them, and um, I'm excited though. I picked you to be my very first guest for obvious reasons, as uh, people are going to find out as you and I start talking. Um, maybe if you don't mind a little background where you are, kind of a little bit about you, and then we'll dive into what we want to talk about today. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate being your first guest. Um, I'm Steve Grant. I live in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm married to Kathy. And I had two sons. Uh, and uh, the, the coincidence, obviously, here is I've lost both my sons to uh, accidental drug overdoses over the last 15 years. Uh, Christopher uh, nearly 15 years ago and Kelly nearly 10 years ago. And uh, uh, just uh, just like, uh, like Jeff in the financial services industry all my life, and uh, here in Greenville, South Carolina, and, and uh, you know, one day I got a letter from Jeff. Uh, I can't remember if it was uh, an email or a text or something. And and after I read it, I said, my, told my told my uh, wife Kathy, I said, my God, this guy sounds just like me. He's he's in the financial services business for all these years. Uh, he's a little younger than I am. Uh, he's uh, he's he's uh, unfortunately he's going through a divorce like I was at one point, and. Um, and he's lost, a, unfortunately, he's lost a son to a drug overdose. And, uh-huh. and uh, there was other similarities along the ways, but those are the, those are the high points. And, and uh, I said, wow. And he, I said, he's, he's read my book a few times and, and I was really touched by, uh, by your note. And, and since then, of course, we've uh, developed a friendship and, uh, we've, we've kind of collaborated on a few things and shared notes on some things. You know, Steve, um, you and I are both members of a club that we did not ask to join. And um, I will tell you, uh, I'm, I'm in year four now of dealing with, um, with Seth's uh, accidental heroin overdose. And I look at uh, your situation, and, and you, you were kind of thrown into this before the opioid epidemic was a household name, before you know fentanyl and heroin and opioids, all these things were now everyone's pretty familiar with. How did you navigate through all this uncharted territory? I had you as a, as a quote, role model. I had you as a template. I read your book and thought, I read your book thinking, if this guy can do it, I sure in hell can do it. So, I mean, who, who, how did you get through all this when this was all new stuff back in the day when Chris and Kelly passed away? You know, after uh, doing the things that I did and starting a foundation and uh, you know, dealing with uh, two sons dying of, of accidental drug overdoses, you know, I did kind of, I, I did talk a lot about the fact that I was ahead of my time. And, and uh, you know, 15 years ago when, uh, when Chris was, and then you got to go back eight years of when he really started. So we're talking back going 23 years almost when things, when he, when he started showing uh, signs of being dependent upon alcohol or drugs. Uh, that was a long time ago. And then uh-huh. you know, when he died in, in 2005, uh, you know, I, I didn't really reflect on it too much, but um, I didn't really know anybody who had died of a drug overdose. Uh, right. And I really didn't know where to go to help myself before that happened. Cause it, uh, eight years was going on and we did a lot of things. We did five, 
five rehab facilities, uh, a boarding school, uh, numerous things. And it wasn't that I wasn't listening to other people, but I was hearing some of the things they were suggesting. But it wasn't, uh, I think there's a tremendous more help there, help there is now. But, you know, then you go to 2010 and then lose my other son five years later to a heroin overdose and, and, and still, still kind of reflect that the only person I really know that's died of a drug overdose is his brother. And, right. and, and then all of a sudden, you know, it kind of, it kind of hits you that, um, going forward here, are all these, all these young, young people, uh, girls and guys are, are dying of accidental drug overdoses. And of course, now we're getting to the point where we're peaking at about 80,000 people a year, uh, young people that are dying of drug overdoses. Um, I think that's where they are now, and it's it's still on the rise. And it's 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 a popular thing. And it's it's terrible that you have to say that it's popular. Uh, but but I did come across, I did come along at a time when I really didn't know anyone other than my two sons for a period of time who had died of accidental drug overdoses. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember how I actually heard about your story. I, I was reading something in some magazine and you were, you were quoted even, either in the Wall Street Journal or some rather large publication. And I saw your, uh, don't forget me, uh, your book cover. And I thought, I got, I got to get this book. So I went to Amazon, ordered it a couple days and I, I read it and I said the same thing, except I didn't have anyone that I could talk to at the time. I was by myself and I just said to myself, I got to reach out to this guy. I, I have to figure out how he didn't end up joining his two sons because I thought initially I was going to be joining Seth. And, yeah. you know, I have two other boys, Roman and Ian, and I thought to myself, I, I can't, I can't crumble. I, they, they need to have a rock star. They got to have a superhero. And I got to be, even if I have to fake it, I have to be that guy to save my other two boys. I mean, I looked at my situation, Steve, obviously very similar to yours, but, but also different. Um, I still have two of my three boys here. Um, you lost your only two. And so I'm like, if this guy can do it, do what you've done with your foundation, which I want to, I want to spend some time talking about the foundation today. But if you can do it in a time when you didn't have anybody else out there trailblazing in these areas, how in the hell do I have time to sit around and feel sorry for myself? And so you have been just a monumental inspiration for me. And um, I know I got a lot of guidance from you when I wrote this one for you. This one's for you. My, my book I wrote in honor of Seth. Um, a day doesn't go by. I don't talk about you. That ringing you get in your ears, Steve, that's me talking about you. Um, you know, and I know you have you have horrible days like I do and, and tough days and I'll be honest with you, Steve, when you texted me on Christmas Eve and just said, hey, thinking about you, love you, bud, you know, hang in there out of the blue, that meant the world to me. And I've never met you face to face, but I feel like I've known you for a long, a long, long time. And, um, you know, I'm just one person out there you've you've affected. And I'm hoping to have that influence on people that are now just finding out today. You said 80,000 people a year. So somebody today is going to turn into Steve and Jeff. They're going to have a child that, or a spouse that overdoses. And hopefully you and I can show people that not just survive, but we can thrive. We can be productive in society. We can good, be good husbands, good, good parents, and we can raise money and awareness for these things. I mean, that's, again, that's, that's what, um, that's what this is all about. And your book was really the genesis for a lot of ideas that I've come up with. 
you know, I, I really, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, everything I've done, I've tried to, I've tried to, you know, um, take my own situation and, and, and be, bring as much of a positive, uh, as I can about it. Uh, obviously it's very negative and I do have people say that. I don't know how you're here today, Steve. Um, cause I had done this to myself if I had lost all my only two children, uh, to drug overdoses. And, and I, I, I guess that's a real easy thing to say. I, you know, I, I lost my dad last week to, uh, uh, very quickly and peacefully to, uh, maybe probably at the end of the day to a COVID death. Uh, and, and, um, you know, I, I, Sorry to hear that. You know, I, I appreciate that. And I, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I kind of, I kind of feel guilty because I, I've, I've had so much, um, uh, I've had so much to, uh, to deal with in terms of death that I'm not sure I really know how to grieve anymore. Uh, it, it's oh. very hard to lose your two children and, 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 um, I, you know, whenever I hear about it happening, I, I really reach out and I really feel terrible for that person. Uh, because it is hard and, but you know, I, I, I talk to people. I mean, I would have to tell you, Jeff, I almost talk to people almost daily, uh, at uh-huh. least two or three times, at least three times a week that either lost a child or they feel like they're about to lose a child, a son or a daughter. And I, I, I just feel, I feel terrible for them, uh, because, uh, like your, like your son, like my sons, uh, this, the, the uh, the story is very similar. Uh, everyone's situation is unique to their family, but the story and the behavior uh, that goes on and what leads up to it is typically very very similar. And and you really feel terrible for that for for these folks. Um, and and um, you know, but I'm so glad for people like you and and me and and people beyond you and I that are going to carry this torch uh because i don't think it's going away i think no. unfortunately the COVID has made it not made it worse but well in, in many ways it has made it worse but we've also redirected our attention towards this COVID, which it should be um to a certain extent but we've kind of neglected some of these other things that are going on that are causing thousands of deaths uh annually and hopefully we'll get back to some kind of normalcy where we'll start remembering and reflecting on uh, on these opioid deaths that are going on. Hey, Steve, if you don't mind, and, and I, you and I have talked about these things, you know, literally daily. Um, so I'm, I'm sure this is not, a, as I would say, a sensitive topic. I think sometimes people get concerned to talk to you and me because they don't know what to say to right. upset us. But can you can you tell tell us a little bit about uh, Chris and Kelly, uh, the differences, kind of kind of some things that you remember about them, uh, funny stories and stuff. Obviously, we know the, the tragedy side of it, but they they are different kids from what I understand in your book. And but they had the same the same ending, unfortunately, but very different uh, road. Yeah, I, I, I tell always when I speak um, to folks in the groups that the unique the unique part of my story is that I had two sons who took two very distinct roads to the same ending and one being addicted for eight years, Christopher, uh, and then, and Kelly being addicted really for eight months and, 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 and dying the way, the way he did. And, um, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know about telling a lot of stories. I, I, I certainly reflect on each one of them every day. Um, but you know, I, I think about I, as as, simp- as stupid as as simple as it sounds. I drive the same work way to work every day. Uh, I drive yeah. down this road every single day, and it's the same road that I had to one time find Christopher with his car turned over and flipped over it uh, on a road. I pass that spot every single day on the way to work, uh, and and to this day, did, did, did this morning, and you know I, I I sit there and the roads changed a little bit now because they put a median in the middle of it, but it's like aha uh-huh, you know, and then you know I get downtown and I I pass this fenced in area where their little private school was where they played in this sandbox, and I pass yeah. that every day so. Very, very few days, uh, I, I would say, venture to guess, no days go by, really, where I don't think about them and, and think about something that happened. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, Jeff, but I um, I have very vivid dreams. And I uh-huh. I dream about my sons, and they're always little when I dream about them. Uh, huh. They're never older. And I, I, maybe that's the way I wanted to remember them, uh, mostly. Uh, but but you're right. It, it, it's not something that just kind of automatically goes away. Uh, it, it, it stays with you, certainly. It's interesting you say the dream thing, Steve, because I um Sorry. I dream about Seth infre- infrequently. Um but when I do dream about him, it's always in the present, like he's apologizing to me. Um, like he let me down somehow. And uh, it's, I told my dad, I said, have you ever woken up from a dream bawling your head off? I mean, just in dead middle of a cry. Normally you wake up and then you have an emotion. It's like, I, I remember a few dreams recently where I, I've literally been woken up because I was crying so hard. I mean, real tears. And but I haven't had a lot of them. I mean, he's been gone now four years, and I, I can probably honestly tell you, Steve, I've maybe had less than five dreams, but they've been all in the present, like he's here right now, and they've been massively intense. And um, almost to the point where it's, you know, I, I'm sure you've had a night terror before where, where oh, you yeah. feel polarized and you just you feel like something's under your chest. It's like, you know, and I can't put it in words until somebody has experienced something like that, but... But they've been liberating. It's like it allows me to talk to them, you know, and I'm not, you know, you and I can talk some other time about what we believe on the afterlife and things like that. But I'm I'm not overly religious from that standpoint. But there's something in those dreams that I've had that are just unbelievably spiritual for me. And I don't know. It's uh, anybody watching this that's lost somebody probably has had conversations with people, whether it's in your mind or in your heart? Um, I guess it doesn't matter, right? I mean. Right, it doesn't. I, you know, I, it's funny. One time, I, a couple of years ago, I had a, one of my son Kelly's teachers called me up on the phone. And, you know, this is a very rational woman. And um, and, and uh, her name Betsy. And she said, do you know, Steve? I, I said, uh, I said, hey, Betsy. And she said, you know, and I, I helped her. Actually, had helped her get her job at this uh, private school where, Kath, where Kelly was going to school. And she was a science teacher, and she said, you know, Steve, I, 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 I cannot imagine telling you this, but I spoke to your son last night. 
And this mm, is not a wow. this is a rational person, right? Wow. And I took it that way, and because I, I know her, and she said, you know, I spoke to Kelly last night, and he is fine. And uh, and and I, I I said, wow. I said I really, you know, I really. This was out of like a, out of the clear blue. This is not someone I speak to daily, weekly, monthly, annually. It's just someone that just said, you know, I spoke to Kelly last night, and he was clearly uh, fine. So. You know, I don't know anything about all those kind of things, and and I I, I don't really kind of uh, that doesn't that's not what moves my life, uh, but I do know that I dream about my kids most every night, and the, and it's always something that is very pleasant. It's not uh, it's not the the needle in your arm or the right or you know getting arrested or or right. a DUI or whatever those all those other tragedies that went on during these eight to 10 years that that were the real bad parts of these things. It was, it's always these, these good times. And it, it's interesting you say that because when I read your book, I had never read a book uh, written from the perspective of a, of a parent that had lost a child, let alone two to something that I had, had, had uh, experienced as well. And I kept thinking to myself as I'm reading that book, you know, all, all the ways that you were dealing with your coping mechanisms and you were extremely open in the book. And I think sometimes with my book, people have ordered it and it's sat on a table and they're afraid to read it because they think it's going to be a negative or a, or like a downer. Well, your book was inspirational. And as I tell in a lot of times when I speak to people is to get to an inspirational story, sometimes you got to be into the muck. Sometimes you got to go into the abyss. Sometimes you got to be in a fetal position, crying on the ground to get to closure. And I think sometimes these books in and of themselves can be intimidating for people. Um, I wrote my book with the intention of making it inspirational. Uh, your book, that's what I got out of it. But do you think sometimes people maybe aren't in denial, but are very hesitant into going on this journey with you and I because they just don't want to deal with it? Uh, yeah, I think that's that's true. I um, a, a lady contacted me from, from Altoona, Pennsylvania yesterday, and I've been talking to her off and on for maybe a year, and I actually helped her her nephew uh, get into a rehab facility in Sunset Beach, North Carolina, and, and that kid has done marvelously well. But she lost her son to a, uh, a, a drug overdose that just, you know, just, just hit her in the gut, and she and she just cannot figure out a way to get over it. Um, and, hmm. and I don't know, if, and I don't, and I don't say that. Um, I don't say that lightly. I, 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 right. I don't know if I've ever gotten over it technically, right. but I, I know that she has not gotten to a place where she's even, even close to being comfortable with what occurred. And I feel terrible for her uh, that that happens. But I think there's a whole lot of people out there that are just like that. And, and I'm not sure why I'm wired like I am, but I've always been wired to help people. And um, I've always been wired to understand that there's a plan. And the plan was, uh, I don't know if it's so much that you're going to lose both your children to drug overdoses, Steve, but right. uh, it, there was a, um, you know, there, there was this plan that uh, there's a, that I was going to be put here to help to help other people about this, and, and so, you know, I've made that my uh, my uh, uh, for for a certain time going forward. I've made that my my plight in life is to is to uh, try to one prevent what's going on, 
and, and at the same time also let people understand that there are there are a lot of people out there going through the same things that they're going through, and there there is help out there. There is help after during what's going on, and there's help after the bad thing occurs. And, and, I want to uh, jump. Go ahead. I want to go back to I want to go back to something you said that I actually write about this in my book, and it's the the concept of getting over it. Because I remember a time um, about a, oh, two years ago, and I was talking to Roman. And so Seth would have been gone for two years, and Roman was 15. And I, I could tell when, when Roman has something on his mind. He's very, my other son Ian's very introverted. Roman's very, you know, he, he wears his emotions on the sleeve. And I came up to him and said, what's going on, Roman? And he said, I'm having a hard time getting over Seth's death. And I, like I normally would want to do, is continue talking. Well, I decided at that moment I was just going to not say anything. I let him keep going. And as I listened to him, he was setting up this unrealistic expectation that someday he was going to wake up, Steve, and be over his brother's death. And I think that is a problem that people have when they lose a child or a loved one, a sibling, is that they have this unrealistic expectation that they're going to get over it. And I, I just don't know why you'd want to get over it. I, I know you don't want to get over Chris and Kelly, and I don't want to get over Seth. Matter of fact, just the opposite. I want to continue talking about all these three as if they're here, because I'm tricking my mind in a way to kind of believe that they're here. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to bury Seth. And I know that doesn't work with everybody. Some parents just simply want to put him in a box, not literally, but figuratively and, and move on. I'm not wired that way, and I don't think you are either, Steve. Um, what advice can you give to people maybe to get them to understand the phrase getting over it and how it's unfair to maybe put yourself in that position? It's it's hard. It's hard. I, I think about the lady I was just mentioning in, in Altoona, Pennsylvania, because her general theme is I can't get over this. I can't get over this. I can't get over this. And it, and and I certainly don't have the, uh, the 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 mental aptitude or the or the knowledge uh, to help her try to get over it. Um, the only thing I have is the experience that I've that I've dealt with, which I guess it might be just as valuable. Uh, and that um, you know they're they're not going to come back, and uh -huh. and we do have to deal with that, and we can choose to deal with it in the most positive way possible, or we can deal with the, the most negative way possible. Cause I've known mm -hmm. folks, unfortunately that have, that have gone that route where they've taken their own lives because their children right. have passed away, which I think is just the most tragic thing in the world. I can certainly Agreed. understand it. Um, uh, as much as I can get close to understanding it. Uh, but I, but at the same time, it, it's, it's so tragic that, that, that it had to come to that point. And um, I, I kind of try to uh, each day or every moment reflect on those good things that both of my sons brought to me and not not dwell on those painful times um, that, oh, yeah, the 30 time, the 30 days Christopher was in jail and I had to go over every day and see him and talk to him through plexiglass for two hours. And we had about 10 minutes of a conversation, mm -hmm. 60 minutes of just looking at each other. Uh, you know, those, those painful times, uh, 
I, I, I try and really try to not dwell on those things at all and dwell on those times where where there was a lot of a lot of fun. And, and you know, it's funny, this time of year at, at Christmas, this is always a special time of year for my family. I, I really kind of always I always kid around with people that Christmas is every day around my house. So I don't make a real big deal. Mm-hmm. About it. The truth is, I uh, I get very sentimental about it. I get very emotional about it. Uh, my second son Kelly, I mean, he could get a pile of dog crap and wrapped in a, wrapped in a present, and he would say, "This is exactly what I wanted." Right. <laughs> I, I think right. I, even when I open up presents to this day, or I watch other people open up presents, I think about him opening one and saying, "You know, you you go go out and try to find that three hundred dollar." Uh, <laughs> Nintendo machine and all that kind of stuff that you have to have, but he would he would dwell on this little thing that was just so insignificant that it was the it, it was the best thing he ever got, you know. Right. And 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 those are those nice moments that I that I really think about. And and of course they could set people off to the other direction, but they really kind of get me just kind of saying, okay, they were here and and we had that we had that fun, and that's a great. That's a great uh, motivator. You know, you, I think you're fortunate, Jeff, obviously, that you have two other sons. Right. The, the thing that troubles me, I guess, if something tr- does trouble me, is that um, I don't have a, a legacy other than the legacy that I'm trying to create uh, in, in, in the memory of my children. Uh, I don't have a legacy that carries on through people who are alive. And, and I, and, and so, so, uh, so that, that's sometimes frustrating. I, I'm seeing my son's friends getting married, having kids, right. uh, moving up in the world, um, yeah. those kind of things. And, and fortunately, I'm not. I, I'm very happy for them. Uh, I'm elated for them. I, I don't sit there and go, "Oh my God, that could have been Christopher." Oh my God, that could have been Kelly. Right. I don't. I, that does. That never has once ever into my mind. And I'm glad for that because I can see where that could be very easy for someone to think that way. I remember you and I were talking uh, a few weeks back and somehow the conversation came up on social media and I was telling you a story where I saw somebody post on, I don't know what form, what platform it was, but they were complaining and whining about the worst Thanksgiving ever because they had to have their parents on Zoom on a computer and blah, 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 how miserable things are. And I held back and held back and I remember what you told me after I'll finish my story, then I'll, I'll comment what you said, but I remember holding back and holding back and everyone else was jumping on saying, Oh yeah, mine was terrible too. And I thought, shit, I'm not, I can't do this. I can't hold back. So I typed in, you know what? I stared at an empty chair and an empty plate. You should be fortunate. Your parents are on zoom because I don't have the ability to see my son at Thanksgiving. So stop your whining and appreciate what you have. And not many people commented. I think they, they were worried of upsetting the, the father of a deceased child. And it's like, you can't upset me any more than the day that he died anyway. So, but I asked you about that. You said, oh, Jeff, um, I do have to hold back sometimes because oh, people's yeah. pettiness is just comical. And then you and I have the ultimate, ultimate pain and suffering given to us. And I still see the beauty of Christmas. I still see the beauty of Thanksgiving. I still see the great happiness. I'm generally happy when people post pictures of Seth's friends getting married, but part of me wants to jump in when people are negative. Do you oh, feel yeah. the same way? Absolutely. You know, I, 
I won't say it usually, but uh, in in my mind, I'm going down the road and thinking, Jeepers, you you don't know what pain is. Right. Or you don't you don't know what you don't know what real loss is. And I guess it's all relative, but uh, you know, we read about the loss of a child, and and uh, it seems to be a universal theme that that is the worst thing that can happen to you. And I can't think of many things that that are worse than that. Certainly. Well, I don't have to ask you this, but I, I know you feel the same way. But uh, I, I would I would give up my life to have him back. Um, oh, I, I, I highly doubt you're the same way. I don't even have to ask you that question. Yeah, I, I'd give up a lot of things. Uh, yeah, uh, for that, or or for just one moment, you know, to say, hey, you know, how you doing, kind of thing. So so uh, uh, you, you know, you're right, and and but you know you. It's it's hard to it's hard to um, if we if we let those kind of things bother us we'd we'd be bothered all the time. Uh, it, it, yeah. It, it's uh, and I'm just glad that uh, that in the in the great scheme of things most people don't deal with what you and I have dealt with. And, you know, Steve, one of the things that really helped me a lot was about a year and a half, two years after Seth had died. So this would be two years ago. I got into meditation and I kind of got into it because I have ADD as did Seth. Um, and matter of fact, you probably have a form of it as well because in our industry, in the financial services industry, most of us are pretty high strung. Yeah. Uh, in the short amount of time I've known you, I, I'm guessing you have some form of attention deficit disorder. No question about it. And, um, a matter of fact, so much for I forgot the point I was going to go make there. But but uh, the reality is, is that, um, you know, sometimes I know for me, after Seth passed away, and I'm going to ask you this question to see, and I know I know you and I have talked about this, but do you have any regrets? And I'll leave that open ended. I mean, do you have regrets when you look back onto how things unfolded? I know I do. I've shared mine with you, and I'll share them again. But what do you have regrets? Do you, do you play that game? Uh, you know, really, no. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, it's funny you bring up this topic, uh, and a lot, of, a, a lot of grief is built on guilt. And right. And I don't, you know, I was telling my wife, I really was telling Kathy yesterday, I said, you know, I feel terrible that here my dad has passed away, you know, arguing with my best friend. And, and, uh, I don't, I guess I don't know how to grieve. And I, I said, I think it's really because I've had some losses in my life that, that, uh, obviously most people have had earlier, uh, that don't have it as early as I've had in my life and, and as devastating. And it's hard to tell, but, um, I, I don't grieve a lot because in, in the cases of my sons, I, I left it all on the field for them. Uh, I did mm-hmm. everything I could to help them that that I knew that I could do that I was and I actually did more than I was financially or physically capable of doing and and um and 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 don't regret it at all so I don't have that guilt that other people have because uh, a lot of people do have that and I think the majority of people do have that mm-hmm. they say wow I didn't know this was going on or wow I wish I'd have done more uh, I, I never thought that I never. Now, now, would I say what I've done things differently? Maybe. So, right. But, but right. But, but but I did what I knew. 
Um, and I, and if and 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 if I knew there was an alternative that was out there that was that was going to help, I would have done it. Uh, but uh, but I think there's a lot that 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 lies. I think a lot of where people sit is that they, they may think they could have done more. Right. And and, and um, you know, I, for some for some reason, I guess because of reality, I don't think I could have done a whole lot more. But I've done something a little differently, maybe, but not a whole lot more given what I knew. I, I think you and I would both answer this the same in that given the the outcome that happened to Chris Kelly and Seth, um, that the road they were all on, it, it may not have been that day. October 4th, 2016 may not have been the day Seth lost his life, but it probably was going to be the next day or the next weekend or the next Friday. I mean, the, the, the dance they were having with death was inevitable. At least I know for Seth's situation and reading your book, I, I'm serious, Steve. I'm reading your book thinking, and, and I don't, I don't mean this to be other than just a comment, but I'm going like, I've been there. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen that. And, and I had the same outcome. All three of them aren't here. But if you went through and looked at the similarities that Chris Kelly and Seth, the life they were living, um, there were so many common, things they have with each other, reading your book, some of the mental health issues that were going on that now I know that Seth probably had, I just never diagnosed him. But just by observing now in hindsight, I can see that he had, he had issues that I'm not going to throw labels out, but I know he had some underlying health concerns, mental health concerns that weren't professionally uh, diagnosed, um, which is neither here nor there. If I have a regret, it's that I didn't learn what Adderall was. Right. That's the one that's the one regret, Steve, that I will take to my grave because I can't bring Seth back. I'm not saying that fentanyl is a is a result from Adderall, but I do think that Adderall was the beginning of where fentanyl ended up ending. And you know Jack, the prescription. The, the, go ahead. Yeah, you know, there's no there's no question in, in my book. I do talk about how I came to realize that Christopher was somewhat of an early pharmacist. And he, you know, he, he would complain about injuries. He was a gifted athlete and he complained about injuries and he'd go out one night and score three goals. And then the next day he'd be complaining about his knee. And I would take him to the doctor and, and the doctor would give him Mobic and doc. And he'd say, he'd, he'd be screaming in the car that the doctor gave him Mobic. And I didn't know what Mobic was, but Mobic was is a very uh, low low painkiller, you know. And, and he, the reality was, here's my 14 year old son who who wanted uh, he who wanted hydrocodone or he wanted uh, something else of a little bit higher nature uh, to solve that problem. And and and, and looking at it, uh, looking at it going backwards, he he knew what he wanted to have. Right. And, and it, it it and I gotta believe that. He, Christopher grew up in a world where in the first grade he was said, well, you know, he's bigger than most of these kids. He's hyperactive. Uh, he really needs to be on Ritalin, you know, and, and he gets on Ritalin. And the next thing you know, he's on Adderall. And the next thing you know, he's on, he's on the next thing. And poor Christopher grew up to believe there was a pill for every problem. And, right. and, and 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 there probably is a pill for every problem, but that's not necessarily the right approach. 
but but that's what he he really was uh, he really was conditioned to believe that there was there was a pill for that and 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 that's un- and that's unfortunate and i and i do think you you do see uh, a a uh, a correlation between the the kids who riddle in Adderall and they go up that line uh, yeah. and they they end up doing something that's uh, obviously much worse you know when we give our uh, Roman and Ian and I have all uh, last couple of years given presentations at the high school here where actually Seth was a student as well, Prairie High School in Cedar Rapids. And I often start off with the ending, like I'll I'll show where Seth is today and then explain that he died from a fentanyl, um, heroin loaded with fentanyl. But then I'll go back and say, but that's not who he was. That That's just how it ended. But Seth was sitting in the same chair you're sitting in as a freshman, and he was contemplating having his cigarette and having his first beer. And now it's vaping for the kids. That's the kind yeah. of the new gateway. And 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 I'm not telling everyone here that if you have a beer tonight, you're going to end up in a hotel room dead from a heroin overdose. But there's a very predictable path here. And it's also very preventable. So Seth's death and Chris's and Kelly's was preventable. Um, or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Um I know the whole argument on the disease and choice model approach, there's never going to be a closure to that. But I think as a grieving father, you tend to gravitate to one of those or the other. Um, and I know in reading your book, kind of where you stand on that. But going back to the whole thing with the kids is uh, you may not think that vape that you have or that Adderall pill that you're going to take two of or the pill that you bought from a friend is going to end like Chris Kelly and Seth, it doesn't have to end to destroy your life. You can actually become, have a miserable life and, and not be deceased because of these things that you started. And, and look at most of the problems people have in life. The majority of them are self-induced. Uh, alcoholism. No one's ever held you down to pour alcohol down your throat. You're somewhere along the line. You made a decision that this was something that you enjoy doing and it masked some other underlying issue that you had. So, I guess one thing I would ask you, Steve, to kind of wrap this up and move into the next stage is what's next for Steve Grant? Um, you've got this foundation. I have to have you talk about it. It, the amount of money you've given away is jaw dropping. And I am nine hundred, nine hundred and ninety five thousand dollars behind you. <laughs> I have a long ways to go to catch you, but I'm, I'm trying to catch you. But what you've done is heroic in my terms. And maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you feel this is something you just were compelled to do. But talk a little bit about your foundation, where it's at, how it started, and what's the next level for Steve Grant? Well, I'm not sure what the next level for Steve Grant is because you may need to ask my, ask my wife, Kathy Grant, that question. But I will tell you that, uh, that, one day, uh, two weeks after Kelly died, in January of 2011, um, I was asked to be a seminar, uh, and, and you've been to plenty of these seminars, Jeff, mm-hmm. where you, they try to tell you how to be a sell more, sell more investment, sell more insurance, sell more whatever, you know. And and I was invited to go to one of those, and really compelled to go to one of those. And uh, there were going to be about 100 people there. And I really didn't want to go because here I was 30 some odd years in this business. 
uh, two weeks from the second, from my second son's death. Uh, but I was a, a team player and I, I went to it and, and fortunately I did. And I, you know, I, whether it was God's intervention or, 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 or something else divine, um, who knows what it was, but I went to there reluctantly, very reluctantly and, and certainly had no idea of how I was going to leave there that day. Um, so, so I, I went to it and I was sitting in this room and here are these two guys from St. Louis who have, who have become very, very big international speakers today. They've written books, uh, Ben Newman and John O'Leary, uh, dear friends and, um, they've helped me and I've helped them. And, uh, but they were there and they, this was, this was, you know, shoot, this was 10 years ago, almost, uh, next month. And, and, um, I thought they were going to talk to us about being better business people. And, and they said right away from the beginning, they said, we're going to ask you about what your legacy is going to be when you leave this life. And I'm going, Oh, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I hadn't given much thought about that. And, and actually they said, we're going to go around the room right now. And, and, and this is a three day boot camp, but we're going to ask you today. What you feel like your legacy is going to be with you if you leave this life. And if you don't have one, say you don't have one. If you say you do, say, say what you think it is and maybe it'll change in three days. Well, they got to me and I said, you know, I want my legacy to be that I, that I did everything I could to help, uh, uh, young adults and ad adolescents and young adults who struggle with, uh, drug addiction, um, uh, alcohol, you know, a substance abuse and depression. Uh, and they said, why? And then I explained to them that I have just, I lost my first son ten, five years ago. I lost my second you know, son two two weeks ago to a to drug accident, drug overdoses, and of course it got very silent. And um, but you know I had no intention of saying that that day. I I really didn't. And here I drew a line in the sand with these folks, and uh, we kind of stopped at that point. And from that point on, I I really kind of I really kind of uh, again. I had no inclination. I'm a very helpful person, you know, always did the United Way thing and always gave my, my kids and I give the shirt off my back to anybody. But uh, I had no thought that day of I was going to help the general world of drug and alcohol addiction. And I guess that was really just I really was kind of naive to the fact that I probably was here in that position for a reason. And and. Uh, in, in reality. And so from that point on, I started what was then Kristen Kelly's Hope Foundation through the Greenville Community Foundation, who were very nice to help me start this. And, and in the seven or eight years that we've been doing it, March will be, um, March will be eight years. Um, and, and, uh, we, you know, we've raised just short of a million dollars. I do it very part time. And we give we give out money to not for profits uh, who sometimes fly under the radar screen of of, of not being big big uh, big organizations, but a small grassroots organizations. Uh, we try to help individuals as much as we can, although we try to limit that because it's expensive. And unfortunately, the batting average for uh, rehab facilities and for rehab in general is is poor. So we try not to, we, not, not that we're wasting money. We try not to use it in that direction uh, unless we really feel like this is a person who's, who really qualifies. 
It, we're, our bank account was always low. I looked at it yesterday. It was $2,447. And, yeah. uh, and I know I've got $2,000 uh, obligated to somebody. So really, I've got $447 right now. So, so it always comes in and it always goes out because there's always so much. And there's a lot of joy to give money. Uh, there's nothing, I, I don't know if there's anything better than that. There probably is. But for me, I love giving out. I love giving out money when people need money. And I I don't know if I've ever said no to anyone, really. I know I've, my wife wouldn't like to hear this, but I know I've written checks personally to make sure we could cover something uh, on, yeah. on, on, a few, on a few occasions. Uh, because I just don't want to see that person not try. And uh, what's what's interesting, Jeff, to go along with this is how many people contact me and they never follow through with what they're going to do. Um, uh-huh. they, so what I learned through this was, look, you tell me when you get to this place and they know me and they'll call me and let me know your boots are on the ground. Um, but a lot of times they just never get to that point. And, and you know, that's, um, that's what makes me sad. You know, Victor Frankl said in Man's Search for Meaning that uh, the purpose of life is to help others find theirs. And I kind of gravitated to that after Seth died. People are like, well, you're spending all this time. How are you getting, how are you making money? How are you, I, I'm not making money. I, my, my book, I have to sell a million copies to make money. I, I put all my money into it. Um, and I, someone asked me the other day, how many books have you sold? I never looked once. That's not the reason why I wrote it. Um, I, I, I answer that question the same exact way. Someone asked me yesterday, I said, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea. And I'm never going to look. And that's not, once I take my eye off the ball, and I'm sure you're the same way, that you're going to lose the, the bigger picture. Let me ask you a question that I think is an important question for people like you and I. Do you think there's a, a risk of vulnerability becoming an addiction? in the fact that you and I are so kind of addicted to telling this story that it could actually become an addiction in itself. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I think for some it could, and I have to honestly say it might for you. Uh, but I'm worried about it for me. I'll be honest with you. That's why I asked the question. I'm worried about it for you too. Um, but for me, it's not, uh, I don't think it will be. Um, and that's because, uh, and, I, and I really think it's really for a very simple reason. I, I married someone who never had kids, um, who, who uh, never was married before, right? So um, Kathy and I, you know, going forward, I, I, I think the last thing she wants to hear about are these two kids that she feels like are hers, but they're really mm-hmm. not, you know? So I don't, ha- I don't have that joint, uh, that sort of joint mission together. And I don't, I don't think it's fair to her to, uh, to talk about what was, went on prior in my life, uh, you know, into our future. And that may sound kind of corny. Um, but I think, uh, I think now, now I think if I was single and this was what I had, and I definitely think that I would probably be immersed in it, you know, and some people would say, you know, you're crazy, Steve, you are immersed in it. And, right. But, but I really, I really do believe that, uh, and, and I hate to say this, but Jeff, I think some, sometimes this is something I will walk away from eventually. Um, uh-huh. because, because I, I, one, I think I've done a lot 
and uh, and I really don't realize how much I've done probably. Um, but but and I want to do more before it's over. Uh, but uh, I hope there's another chapter uh, to this. Chris and Kelly will always be part of my life. Uh, you know, their pictures are all over my house. Uh, so, so and, and their memories ingrained in my mind whenever I'm driving, but uh, and, and going around doing things. But at some point, uh, I'm going to hopefully be able to hand the torch over to someone like you. Uh, or unfortunately, another one of your friends who who's going to deal with the same thing eventually. Well, um, you're not going to get rid of me, so I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be hanging on you for as long as I breathe. I'm not planning on that either. <laughs> no, I I uh, I'm writing a blog actually that I'll be posting here shortly called "The Vulnerability of Addiction," and I I am concerned that I don't want to be walking into a a reception with friends saying, oh, here comes Jeff, man, let's, you know, here, get ready to hear about his story again. You know, I, I don't want to dishonor Seth by talking about him at nauseum. Um, but I, I'm new on this journey. You, you have tremendous amount of time under your, under your belt that you can get some wisdom from. I'm, I'm on the knowledge seeking stage. You're, you're at the wisdom part. And I, I'm going to be leaning on you <laughs> often <laughs> and, and I have already, <laughs> And um, you know, I'll apologize I, in advance uh, if it looked know, like I'm harassing, but I fortunately again came through a time where this was not a popular topic. So right. you know, but I know that you know, I know that 10, 15 years ago, I would meet somebody in a at either the country club or the restaurant or something like that, and I'd meet someone I knew, and they were with some other people, and as soon as I walked away, I'm sure they said, "You know, that guy lost two kids to drug overdoses." You know, right that kind of thing and and I knew that I knew that was going on and, it, and that will continue to go on uh but uh um you know i think i i I think that unfortunately there's enough of this continuing that there'll be other Jeff Johnsons and there'll be other uh-huh. Steve France uh, along the way, and I think uh they'll be they'll be armed even better than we are the The problem we face is that when we think that we've got something secure and we've got something figured out, the, 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 the drug lords and the people out there that are, they're not addicted to drugs. They don't have a problem with drugs. They have a, right. they have a money issue. You know, this is a business for them. And, and mm-hmm. when the problem with that is they are very creative and they can figure mm-hmm. out something that we're going to be attracted to. And that's the sinful part of this whole thing. And I'm not sure that will, we can ever remedy that, unfortunately. You know, Steve, one key word that you have on your book is a lifeline. Yeah. And I think um, when, when Seth died, part of my frustrations was, what do I do? Where's the template? Your son just died of a heroin overdose. Here's the first call. Here's the first step here. There is no freaking template out there, man. I mean, you and I just invented stuff on the fly. Now, your book was a template for me to organize some of my thoughts and to to um, tell the story. But, you know, what advice if we're going to try to and I know you and I could talk about this for for many, many hours. And I'm, I'm going to offer a standing offer. You're always welcome to come back and, and have this conversation. But what advice can you give? to the next Steve Grant and Jeff Johnston that their kids are not gone yet. They're still here, 
but that that writing's on the wall. That 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 prophecy is coming. And what advice can you give to parents right now? What are the one or two, three things that they should be doing right now? Uh, and you know, I get this question a whole lot, and I, especially lately. Uh, after I've writ written the book and, and books like yours, um, because these uh, kids, are, although they're unique to us, their behavior is very, very consistent. And the behavior of an addicted child or, or one that drugs and alcohol has controlled their lives, is controlling their life at that point, the, the behavior is very, very consistent. Um, right. And I, agree I, try, with that. I, I, I try to make I try to try to minimize that or or make them feel better because uh, you, you're part of a group of kids who's always reacting like that. It's not. It's unique to you and it's your problem. Um, but but, um, I, you know, I, I try to tell folks that there are uh, there are things that you can do um, Specifically, I mean, I used to do these crazy things when I figured out that what was going on, you know, nobody's book bags could go upstairs. There were never doors closed in my house. You know, there were yeah. no one ever spent the night. You know, if my kids wanted to spend the night at someone's house, I was calling up their parents and saying, hey, do you understand my son or daughter is staying the night at your house? And, you know, a lot of times, nine out of ten times, they say, well, I didn't know that your son or daughter was invited to my house to spend the night. Uh -huh. you know? yep. So so there's a lot of things that you can do to mitigate it. And that, and that sounds like, you know, that sounds like a terrible parent. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it's a very, very good parent, frankly. And I wish I had done it sooner. Um, but uh, there are things that you can do that that um, will will kind of will kind of fight this. And. This is not one of those things where you want to where you want to uh, test a 12 year old or a 14 year old by letting them put their toe in the water. You know, this, this is really not that kind of thing because the toe in the water today, you know, people say, oh, well, they got to sink so low. Well, low, right. low is a pretty bad place today. Right. Uh, you know, low is a dangerous place today. Uh, it's, it's not the low that it was 40 years ago. Because you got things like fentanyl, right? Just a little bit will take your life, and just a little bit the first time you try it will take your life, and that's the biggest tragedy of all. Uh, so, so you know, it, it, it is, it's a very difficult world, and and uh, the, I, I talk to a lot of parents, and I, you know, I, you know, it's one thing when someone says I found marijuana in my son's uh, pocket when he was doing the laundry, you know, and I'll say, you know. That in and of itself uh, is not means your son's a drug addict. That that right. means your son's trying marijuana, and you shouldn't you shouldn't blow a gasket over it. But you should certainly be aware of it and make him aware of it that you're on watch. Right. right? Um, but that doesn't mean that he's got a, a, an addiction. Uh, so because there are certain clear cut behaviors when when you know, and it typically I say folks when when you feel like something else is making the decisions for your son or daughter that are that are not in their best best interest then then that means something else is controlling those decisions and um, the decision not to go to school on time the decision not to go to work the decision um, not to, to, to cut basketball practice uh, uh, the decision to go use a fake ID at the liquor store you know, those are things that 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 start to those are start those are decisions that start to say, hey, 
maybe there's something a little ex, little something else more that going on here than I think. I had a, someone the other day asking me about Roman and Ian because a lot of my friends are concerned about them, and and they said, well, I'm I'm sure you talk about alcohol and marijuana and all this with them regularly. I said, actually, no, I don't. Um, if they if they can't see what happened to their older brother, nothing out of my mouth is going to make any more impact than that. <laughs> And I also tell them that they're going to have their own relationship with alcohol. I, I don't tell my boys not to drink. I'm, I'm not anti-alcohol. My, my nonprofit's called the Choices Network. It's not called the Sober Living Network. You know, I'm, I'm, I just choose not to drink myself. And I am around people. I bought drinks for friends. I, I'm not anti-alcohol. So I tell the boys, you don't have to live your life with this burden that dad is going to be mad at you if you have a beer at, at a football game. You guys will form your own relationships in these things. So one of the lessons I've learned, Steve, is that instead of telling my kids not what to do, I tell them, I try to teach them how to think. And I think a lesson I would give parents out there, instead of just punishing them, taking things, grounding them, no, 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 I always ask, how'd that work for you and me? I mean, when my parents told me not to do something, that was like an invitation to go try it, you know? Yeah. So I'm trying to take the approach when I'm giving these talks to parents that, have these conversations with an open mind and don't tell your kids what not to do, but tell them how, teach them how to think in, in situations where they have to make tough decisions, like they have to choose, um, you know, to, to, to vape or to drink. And so I think, um, it's just a different way to kind of look at things. And in my, on my, uh, website, I've come up with this thing called the Don't Start Initiative that I've shared with you, which is a really neat acronym, uh, the ABC, the uh, Awareness, Breathing, and Choosing. It's kind of a way I'm trying to get adolescents to think about decision-making when they're confronted with these situations. So um, I think what we'll do is uh, we hit about an hour mark. Um, like I said, I feel like I've been talking to you for five minutes. Yeah, really. Um, do you have any last things you want to throw out there? And how do people reach you if they want to have you as a guest on a podcast or how do they contact you to maybe have you talk them off a ledge like I have been able to do a few times? Uh, get your book, put money in your foundation. How, how, can, how do people reach out to Steve Grant? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, really simple, um, and I'm always, I'm always open to talk to anybody. Uh, my number is listed on my website, which is www.chriskellyhope.org. Uh, uh, we also have a book, obviously, we publish called www.forgetmebook.com. Uh, we have Instagram. Um, we have a Facebook page, kristenkellyshope.org. So uh, we're, we're out there, and, and uh, we're always available. And, and, in fact, you know, I'm very responsive to it. So um, if, if, if there's a way I can help, I would love to. Um, there's a lot of resources out there that I've made myself aware of over time, the hard way, um, and uh, that, I, that I'm very aware of. So what I do like to tell people is there's a lot of help out there. And a lot of times people think, well, it costs money. Well, there's no, there's a lot of help out there that doesn't cost money. Right. Uh, right. That, that care about it. And there's, there's obviously help that costs money. But in this world, what I found was, uh, sometimes uh, something that's more expensive ain't ain't much better, and right. um, and and so don't never let that worry you, because uh, there's always someone there that wants to help you. There's a lot of good people out there. Well, listen, man, um, I love you, brother, and yes, uh, here, Jeff. and keep living undeterred. Uh, you are an absolute uh, inspiration, and um, 
the phone rings both ways. You ever need to talk, I'm there for you. And uh, I, it's been an honor to meet you, honor to know you. And I've only known you for less than two years, so I feel like I've known you a lifetime. But um, let's keep doing what we're doing. I, I enjoy this conversation. Well, Jeff, I congratulate you because you did hit on something a little while ago that I thought about when I do talk to people. And it always uh, surprises me how soon they want to do something after their son or daughter um, has left their life. And I remember the first time we spoke and it wasn't much longer than a year that your uh -huh. son was not in your life. And I, I remember thinking in the back of my mind, wow, this is so fresh, you know. And and uh, so I congratulate you for having the fortitude uh, to do it. And I, I know you don't question it, what you're doing, um, but I know that there are times when, you know, you kind of wonder, can I be a difference? And I, and I think you will be, certainly. Well, I think um, the weight of the tears of our, that we have are not so full of sorrow anymore. They're, they're, for me, they're full of inspiration. And um, I have my bad moments, and I'm sure you do oh, yeah. as well. Absolutely. Uh, but I will tell you, the duration of them is shorter. The frequency of them is shorter. And the duration of my good moments are longer now. And so I tell anyone that's going through this, I'm on 14 years. You're on, uh, it's 15 or more than that. Yeah. 20. Um, some people are on 20 days right now and there is hope. I mean, you, you are inspiration. I'm hopefully being inspiration. Uh, and there are unfortunately going to be another Steve Grant and a Jeff Johnston coming up, uh, probably today. Uh, quite a few people in the United States are going to get those phone calls. And uh, there, there is a way to survive. There is a way to do this. And uh, you and I are just the tip of the iceberg. So um, with that, um, again, well, I, love you, man. I appreciate it. Love you. And and uh, I, I'm honored to know you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for your time. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Have a great, uh, great 2021. You too. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.